and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. If you would, open with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 12. You would go to that next slide. We're continuing in our series on the life of David, and we are talking today about David's loss. David's loss. We had a great men's trip this week uh, over in Arkansas, fishing on the White River, and I know the ladies had a great opportunity watching a uh, James River Church women's night and just growing and doing all the things that summer holds and lots of fun, lots of excitement, lots of good things to celebrate. But we come to a sermon today that's, to be honest with you, is kind of a hard one to preach because it's, it's sad, it's emotional, it's difficult. It's not only difficult at the emotional level, it's difficult theologically because we come face to face with some harsh realities. And let me start off by saying this. The Bible does not shy away from the nitty-gritty. The Bible does not shy away from the real stuff that we go through. Our community's uh, dealing with a couple of accidents this week, and some involving children, and and I don't want to say any more than that with young years in the room, but it's hard to deal with loss. It's hard to deal with hardship. Suffering, pain, whether we bring it about or whether it's completely outside of our control, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. But the good news is that the Bible also gives us not only the reality of hardship, but it shows us ways to deal with hardship and how instead of turning away from God, times of loss, we can actually grow and get closer to God. Let me just say this. Whether you're going through a hard season right now or whether you've been through one this year, one guarantee I can promise all of us in life, even as Christians, even as believers, you will have hardship. I didn't expect an amen, but that's okay. it's, It's a part of this life, living in a broken world. But David's loss can teach us a lot about how we can respond to loss in our life. So let's read the scripture together. It'll be up on the screen. If you would go to that next slide. This is, uh, again, 2 Samuel chapter 12. The word of the Lord says this. Then Nathan went to his house, being David's house. And the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. Let's pause there. If you recall, Pastor Dakota preached a couple weeks ago about David's sin with Bathsheba. David was anointed. David was a man after God's own heart. David was an awesome man, and yet even great men that don't protect their boundaries can fall. And this is what happens as a result of these actions. Reading on, it says, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, 
and he did not listen to us. Next slide. How then can we say to him, the child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Listen to this. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this thing that you have done? Next slide. You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And David said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Listen to this last section. Can I bring him back? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. This is the word of the Lord. This is a reality of life that we all face hardship. We lose people that we love. Today I want to talk to you about what do we do as God's people whenever we face hardship. But before I get to the practical steps and I look at what David did, let's first look at the reality of God and what he's doing regardless of whether we understand it or not. First of all, as you remember early on in the scripture, it says, God afflicted the child. God afflicted the child. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes or you're on your phone, write, write these down. But here's the first point is simply this. God oversees life and death. God oversees life and death. He's the one who creates and gives life, and he is the one who oversees each person's appointed time when they pass from this life into eternity. For some people, it's one day old. For others, it's 100 years old. And none of us can truly predict when that day might be. And for David's son, he was young. He was a child, and David lost his son. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? But if you actually think about it and you dig deep, you say, I, and I've had people tell me, I don't know if I can believe in a God who oversees death and life. Let me tell you how I feel about it. I could not believe in a God who oversees life and death. I need to know that God has a plan and that he's overseeing it. And if he is good, then I can trust that. Amen? The second point is this. God reveals some things, but not all things. God reveals some things, but not all things. In fact, if you read earlier, Nathan's the prophet who comes to David, and, and Nathan tells David some things. God reveals some things, but not all things. I don't know about you, but there's been some times where I say, God, I don't know what's going on, but if you had at least just tell me what's happening, I could probably face this suffering better. Anybody ever prayed that, just raw prayer? Just tell me what's going on. Oh, come on, raise your hands. I know some of you. Some of you prayed that this week. What's going on here? I, it's the not knowing God. I wish I knew your plan. I wish I knew what was going on. But the reality of life is this. God reveals some things to us, but he doesn't tell us everything. And I got to say, 
the more I've grown in him and the more I've learned to trust God's plan, his timing, and his purpose, I'm thankful he doesn't tell me everything that I'm going to face. I'm thankful that he doesn't tell me everything and only gives us what we need to know for the moment. And then here's the third thing. The third point about God is this. God hurts right along with us. God is not picking on David. God is not being unnecessarily cruel. He is not being haphazard in his plan. God has a plan of what is all going on. But here's the reality. God hurts with David. God hurts right along with us. Amen. Poor guy. I want to tell you this. We talked about this, we talked about this two weeks ago. and We're talking about it again today that God feels what we feel. Some of you have felt some hurt this week. Some of you have felt confused. Some of you have faced doubt, pain. And I want you to know that God sees that. He sees those sleepless nights. He sees the worry. He sees the anxiety. He sees all of that. And as we're reading through the scripture, let's be reminded of something. You see, God is, the Bible is very clear. God is the one who afflicts the child. God tells David beforehand, this is going to happen. God's overseeing life and death. But don't think for a second that God is just absent from this situation. He is close to David. He's close to David. He feels what David feels. You say, how can God the Father feel what David feels? When you get to the New Testament, what happens to God the Father? He loses a son. God knows how it feels. Don't ever think for a moment that just because God is, uh, uh, that we are feeling something, that God doesn't understand how we feel. No, he does more so. He understands how we feel. We need to be reminded of that. We need to to have that that doctrine deep in our bones and in our spirit. God knows what we face. God knows what we go through. Let's look at David's reaction and all the things that David does. First of all, David intercedes. David intercedes. That word's not a word that we use every day, uh, but it's... It's a word, it means to stand in the place of another, to, to do something on behalf of one another that they cannot do themselves. And so in the, in the Bible, to intercede for someone means to pray for someone. Some of you have said, hey, would, would you pray for my brother? Would you pray for my dad? Would you pray for that? And when we say yes, we will pray for them, the, the fancy word for that is simply, I'm interceding for them. And David, the first thing he does in hardship is he goes to prayer. That is our first course of action. That's the first thing we do is we intercede. When you get bad news, when you get results back from the doctor, when you get that phone call, when you get that thing that just like your stomach drops, the first thing you should do is pray. Intercede. Prayer is not a last resort. It's not the thing that we do once everything else is done. Prayer is what we do. Now, that doesn't mean that we throw out common sense out the door, right? If your house is on fire, pray while you're grabbing the water hose. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? Come on. You use wisdom here, but it is simply saying this. You need to intercede. Intercede for people. They may not even know that you're praying for them, but go boldly before the throne and pray for them. The second thing David does, David waits. David waits. I don't know about you, but waiting is hard for me. Anybody else? That's a struggle for you, waiting? I don't like waiting at a fast food restaurant that's moving slow. 
That's an oxymoron. By definition, we need to move fast here, right? I don't like waiting for simple things. I don't like waiting for big things. I want everything done now. I don't know about you, but I've prayed some prayers before in my life, and I've said, God, if you would do this thing, I know you can answer my prayers. I know you can do this. I know you can work. I know you can do this. But if you could do it really, really, really soon, that would be best for me. But David waits because he knows. He knows he's in for a long season of prayer. We have to wait. Number three, still with me today. David fasts and weeps. David allows himself to feel. He doesn't become numb. He doesn't try to block out the pain. He faces it head on. Remember, this is the same David that just years ago ran out in the valley to face Goliath with no armor on. This is the same David who, as a young boy, fought wild animals to keep away from the sheep. This is the same David that is leading armies and waiting patiently. And and when it comes time to fight this battle, he weeps and he fasts. To fast is simply to give up eating, to to deny yourself of, of that so that you can signify to the Lord, I'm more hungry for you right now than I am for even food. I don't care what pain I face. I am fasting and entering into this. I don't, there's no biblical way for me to say how often you should fast or weep. But let me just ask this question. When was the last time that you wept and fasted for somebody in your life? David was on the verge of losing a son. This was not time to, well, Bathsheba, text me if something happens. No. Everything else got put on hold. It's time to fast. It's time to weep. The next one, number four, is this. David receives news. David receives news. No doubt you've had phone calls in your life. Maybe some of them were, I was expecting to get this call. Maybe some of them were so out of the blue, everything else just seemed to stop in the world. David sees the elders, those, they're whispering. They don't want to tell him. David knows. I've lost my son. And he receives the news that no parent would want to receive. And he takes that news and says, I need you to tell me. He asks them, doesn't he? He says, is my son dead? They don't know how he'll take the news. So they don't want to tell them. But he says, I need you to tell me the news. All of us are going to have those moments in our life as followers of Christ where we receive news we don't know what to do with. But how David responds to the news is spectacular. It's amazing. It takes us to the next one. Here's what David does. David worships. David worships. says he got up off the ground, washed himself, put some new clothes on, anoints himself. That was very customary for people to do in that day. It says that he got up and he went to the house of the Lord. Remember, the temple's not built yet. This probably may be a a tent where the Ark of the Covenant is. is. He goes in and he worships God. 
after receiving the most devastating news he can possibly receive. I, I don't know about you, but if I knew that I've been praying for somebody, interceding, hoping that God would, God would allow this child to live, and you finally get the news, there's only two responses. You can get angry and turn away from God, or you can say, I'm going to get as close to God in this moment as I possibly can. When hardship hits us, doesn't matter if it's life and death or just simply a bad result or hardship, whatever. When that happens, worship. Worship God. Stay in church. Do not distance yourself. Don't isolate yourself. You need people in your corner. And it doesn't matter how strong you think you are. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Some of you need to hear this today. When you face hardship, do not think, I'm by myself now. No. Get in church. Worship the Lord. Worship him through your anger. Worship, you in, worship him in spite of your confusion. Worship him through all the doubts, through all of that. Keep worshiping. The next thing that David does is David looks forward. David looks forward. They say, they ask David in the moment, what is this thing you have done? In other words, David, I, I don't get it. You, you, were, you were fasting, you were weeping, you wouldn't eat food, but now, now that your son's gone, it seems like you're okay and you're able to move on. What, what is that? Where does that come from? And his response is, I, I didn't know if God would honor this or not, but here's, here's one reality. He cannot come back to me, but I will go to him. In other words, David said, what's behind me, I can't change. But I do know this. I know what lies ahead. In other words, David had a living hope. David had a living hope and said, this child, he's with the Lord. And he can't come to me, but I will go to him. David had a proper understanding of what truly awaits all of us. One day, we'll be with the Lord. So David looks forward. I, I, I'm convinced that most of us do not think enough about what that will be like one day. I, I've got plans for this life. I've got journals filled with ideas, and I hope I get a lot of stuff done in this life. But there's grandpas, friends, family members they aren't coming to me, but I'm going to go to them. Even if God blesses me with a super long life, 110, 120 years, I don't know that I'd want to live to be 120 years old, but wouldn't that be incredible? But even then, I'm leaving. Here's the point. David kept perspective on what's really important, and David kept his perspective about time. He said, my son has gone from this world, but he's not gone. I'm going to go to him. The last thing that David does, David moves forward. David didn't just look forward. David moves forward. If you keep reading in, in, in the Scripture right after that verse that we ended on, David comforts Bathsheba, and they have sons. They have children. And he has a son named Solomon. Solomon. And he raises Solomon. Solomon 
He's called the wisest of them all. Solomon is the one who builds the temple and carries on. And, and David is comforted in that he has his son Solomon. No matter what, look forward and keep moving forward. You may walk with a limp. You may walk with some bloody toes. It may be uncomfortable the further along you go, but keep moving forward, amen? Keep walking forward. Musicians, if you'd come today. I, of all the things that David did that I want us as a church to learn to do well, it's this. I want us to learn to intercede. I want us to learn to intercede. That means to pray for others. And today, I know there's some heavy hearts. I've been praying with some of you about things that are going on in your life. Family members, friends. Our community needs intercession, amen? Would you do this today as, as our worship team leads us? If you need to step out in a moment, that's fine. Uh, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. But I want to do this. I want, if you need prayer, I want you to come forward. And there's going to be people who are going to gather around you. And we're going to intercede for you, to pray for you. I can't tell you why David's prayer, he didn't get the result he was looking for. But when I look at God's word, guess what? Time and time and time again, he does answer prayers. He does come through for us. And he's a good God. But it only will come if we intercede, if we actually do it. Not say, I'm going to pray for you. We actually do it. And we're going to do that this morning. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today you enjoyed the content and what God was speaking to you today. Again, we'd love to connect with you more by going to ardmoresummit.church. Join us Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in Ardmore, Oklahoma at 1725 North Commerce Street. Take care and be blessed.